Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Philip Ramsey and Brian Dewhurst. Philip and Brian are the co-founders of Uncommon Wealth Partners. They're financial planners that think very differently about money and provide clients with information beyond retirement planning by helping them define goals, implement plans, create wealth, and ultimately secure that highly sought commodity of freedom of time by closely working with their clients to discover what they actually want their money to do for them. I've worked with them both to help map out Hollywood Brandeds and my own family's future. And I can personally attest that they have some really unique approaches on how you can better safeguard and invest in both yourself and your business, including leveraging crypto assets. They are not your dry and boring parents' financial planners by any means. Plus, they're genuinely nice and fun to work with, as you're about to learn for yourself. Today, Philip and Brian will be sharing their advice on how to invest in yourself and your business, where you need to shore up debts, and leverage the dollars you do have to work better for your own future success. We'll learn what works from Philip and Brian's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some people just miss that mark. Philip, Brian, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Wow, that was quite the introduction. Thank you. Thank you so much. We need to clone that and put that for every time we walk out on the stage. I just feel like that was important. You need some fanfare with it. like Oh yeah, for sure. A slow clap would be really appreciated. We but the voice to change the intro to our podcast. I, right. <laughs> the voice was amazing. Great job. Well, let's start off today. And since there's two of you, I'm going to kind of combine it, whichever wants to go first. But how did y'all come up and start this business together? How do you know each other? And how did you right. become not just friends, but, you know, business partners? It's great. I'll let Brian go because he usually, I'm usually the one who jumps on and says something first. So I'm going to change it up a little bit. Let Brian do this one. Uh, so we met, uh, through church and we were trying to, we were actually trying to just have breakfast with a bunch of entrepreneurs and, you know, figure things out, different type of investments. And that's actually how we met. And then, uh, you know, I, I tried to tell stories and I leave out probably too many facts, but I was in the business. Philip was in the business. We had talked about, you know, him coming to work kind of where I was at. I really wasn't in a position to stake him or, you know, put food on the table, so to speak. So he went with a different company. And then, I don't know, it was like five or six months later, we were at coffee and we got through the obligatory, like, oh yeah, everything's great. And it's like, I'm on monster.com. And it's like, so am I. (laughs) I think we could do this together better because we're calling on a lot of the same people. But um, Philip's obviously the the personable one, the uh, people person, if you've met both or spent time with both of us. And I'm the numbers guy. And so it was a really good team. And so, yeah, that's kind of what we decided to do. And we've been together ever since. So you have anything to add there? Yeah. You know, I would say that financial advising, financial services, I've never met somebody that I actually want to talk to. 
They always want to take my money from me and ultimately keep me in where the position that I was in because I have no money to actually do something different. And so when I got in this industry, I was like, this has got to be a better way. And the company that I was with was only teaching me how to sit down with my family and friends, try to ask them what they're saving a month, kill one of them off, make them cry and sell them life insurance. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. And that's when Brian and I met. And the first time we met was that investment club. And I remember thinking that Brian inherently thought differently and quickly about money. And so that really stood out to me. And so he and I had coffee and, and the rest was kind of history. I said, you teach me the ways that you know how to help people make money. And then together, we'll do this together. And it's a powerful thing having a partnership because Brian and I both have very different personalities. And so all of our clients get to have the benefit of both of us looking at it in a different way. Um, and so now we get to sit down with people and ask them really what's important to them. Because it's not just trying to amass as much money as you possibly can get. At the end of the day, well, what are you going to do with the money once you get there? And so it's the, what are you going to do with the money that gets there is really what we, we call is like your passion and trying to get you to those ends and those means. I would say that we are kind of like your, we're the advisor to the unadvisable, where we really try to help people start a business or, or invest in something that they've always wanted to invest in and then help them make that more efficient to make them more money. Because inherently, you know who you are and your personality. And that's a way better investment than putting your money in the market and hoping it goes up or down. And so together, we've built this Uncommon Wealth Partners and we get to help people every day. And that means, and it's, I've never looked back and can't tell you how many times people have cried in front of us because it's just finally unlocking what their true value is that we, they want to impact the world with. So long answer to a very short question, but that's it. Well, I can get why people might cry because money is something that, first of all, is very private, that we don't talk about it as a society very much. And you you share with it internally. You don't talk necessarily with friends. Like you whisper about how much money you might actually be making. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly no one's like, oh, I'm a great saver. Like that's not the first top of right. the line. Good point. So, you know, you, I'm assuming, you know, you're, from working with us, at least, you know, you make it really easy to kind of break down those barriers and look at it from less of a, wow, what did you do? Mm, mm -hmm. You're really not that smart to, okay, well, what can we do with this? And how can we move forward where you can actually amass more um, benefits from your dollars? Absolutely. It's just the, one of the obstacles in front of us. And we all have those. And there's some shame that I think comes with a lot of financial places of like, I wish I was at a different place, but it doesn't really help you gain traction on where you want to go. Let's just talk about it. It doesn't matter what it is. Let's just put it down on a piece of paper. And what we found is when people start monetizing what they really want, it gets tangible to them. Wait a second. You're telling me it's going to cost this, this, and that. And my risks are this, that and the other, like, I'm okay with it. And I would say doing that with a husband and wife or a partnership, uh, a team is really powerful because then each person has a safe place to talk about their fears and talk about what is scary to them or, you know, whatever they have to talk about, but having a safe place to really un like digest what's going on and what their plan is to move forward. It's so encouraging to get people unified shoulder to shoulder is what we call it going towards the same goal. And when you get there, it doesn't matter what the history was. We're going to get there. <laughs> so 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a really fun place to be. And Brian does a great job. I always tell people, the more information you can get Brian, the better your plan will be. Uh, because we can just make it more customized. Hey, this is what's happening. This is the assets that you have to work with. Um, maybe if we look at these assets in a different way, maybe it'll help you achieve your goals way faster than you ever even dreamed. Um, and thinking about it in an uncommon way is powerful because just a lot of advisors are just trying to think of how much assets do I have to manage for you instead of like, no, no, no. What if we took that asset and used it to further your goals right now? Super mm -hmm. encouraging and beneficial. And so what are, like, how do you start a conversation? And, you know, I know how we started conversations, but yeah. how do you start working with a client? Like, what is the first thing? Is it that you give them, you know, this financial dashboard that you've built mm -hmm. together that Brian is so good at doing, I know, <laughs> or like, are there certain questions or how do you dig in and figure out where someone's at? Good question. Well, I think, you know, obviously that starts with, you know, Philip does a great job building trust with people and getting them to open up and talk about what they really want in life. And a lot of the things, you know, that people share with us are, I would typically say one to three year things. You know, when you look at traditional financial planning, it seems like 20, 30 year type things. And so mm -hmm. there's kind of an incongruence there for a lot of people. And a lot of our clients share that sentiment of like, this is so refreshing because we get to talk about what we actually want to do right now, not 20, 30 years from now. And I think post COVID that's even more so uh, on the forefront right now, because we've all kind of got a glimpse of, you know, how good we've maybe had it and, you know, how, how short life can be. And so I think it's important to, you know, have goals and, and feel like you're moving towards those goals in the short term. And if we can do that over the long term, we'll take care of itself with the correct planning. So then I hope that answers your question. Yeah. I would say the first thing we do is just do a 15 minute consultation. You know, or just like a get to know you meeting, as we say, because we do know that our philosophy is a little different and sometimes people just aren't there yet. And I'll say that our favorite clients to work with are the clients that know what they want and have a timeline of when they want it, because now they've just defined their success. Now I feel like I'm ready to enter in with them versus the family or, or the individual is like, I don't really know what I want. Well, we're not going to be a good fit <laughs> because the last thing I'm going to do is try to put your money into investment, even a retirement account. That's going to kind of put your money in prison. I feel like that's the worst decision to make when somebody's like, I don't know what I want. So our first consultation is like, Hey, are we a good fit? You know, and it really doesn't have a lot to do with money. It's more about like getting people excited again getting people to think like they're in high school where they think that their life is going to be roses and sun, sunshine and <laughs> something that they're really good at. Uh, that's our first call. Hey, is this a good fit? Do you know what you want moving forward? And then we kind of talk through like, okay, this is how we work with individuals and how we can walk side by side with you moving forward. So that's the way we start with them. And I have a feeling that most of the people that you're working with are tend to be a little older because that's when you're all of a sudden like, hmm, maybe I really don't know what I'm doing and I could actually use some advice, yeah. but what's the optimal age that someone should be coming to you guys? Right. Great question. As soon as you know what you want, <laughs> as soon as you know what you want and you're ready to do whatever it takes to get there and you're ready to look at your, your situation in a different perspective. Uh, but yeah, we do have a lot of people, I mean, all ages that come to us and be like, 
you know, at first it's just like talking through. And then all of a sudden in the meeting, they're like, you want to know what I really want? And we're like, all ears. Like we've been now waiting for 45 talking. minutes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and that's when we can really start seeing like people start getting excited and start talking excited and move faster and they blah, blah, blah. Anyway, a lot of times the, that meeting will go longer than 15 minutes. Right. And at the end, I'll ask them like, Hey, how long have we been meeting? And a lot of times they'll be like, I don't know, like 10 minutes. No, it's been 45 because you're finally excited about what you're talking about. And that to, uh, to me is super encouraging. No matter what age you are, you can be 15, you can be 60, you can be 75, 80. I don't care. Like, let's get you on this excitement motivated, like trajectory where you and the loved ones around you are like ready to rock. Well, that's yeah. a credit to you guys both too, though, because you are able to get people to be relaxed and you're fun to work with. So it's not like you're sitting there scared in your seat going, this guy, both of these guys are about right. to know the truth. My cover is blown. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're right. It is a little bit of like dirty laundry. Like, oh, they're going to look at my dirty laundry. Yeah. And one of the, I had a good friend that reached out to me and like asking a good friend to help you with finances when you actually have shame and guilt about it is there's a whole nother level. So I really appreciated it. He was sitting down, he was talking about like their situation and you could just see like dread and like sadness on him and his wife's face. And uh, at the end, they talked about a student loan debt that they had. And at the end, he's like, the only thing we've done right is we have this Roth IRA for $11,000. And he was like clinging on that thing like a life raft. And I remember Brian looked at him. He's like, all right, we'll take you on as a client, but we but you need to cash out your Roth IRA. And they were like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, and in that, we took that $11,000 and we're very strategic. And now he's has an amazing, successful business. And he's quit his job that he was going to quit in 10 years uh, in, I think, 18 months. Only because we just looked a little different. And we heard his goals. We knew what the risks and rewards were. And both him and his wife were okay with doing that after we walked through that. But a lot of times, if you looked at these like sacred cows, they don't mask to as much as you think they would be in retirement. So looking at them at a, at a different light in a different scope. Now, this isn't always the case, but a lot of times that's someplace we'll look at. It's an asset that you can use right now to help you achieve the things you want to achieve. And so obviously that's not every time, but it's a fun story to talk about. Well, I think it's easy. Like, you know, I should have bought a house in my early thirties at the latest, right? right? Living in LA. I'm like, I can't do this. And I'm single. Well, this is never going to happen. Cause I always thought about it. My husband, Ian always says, he's like, you thought about it, that you had to buy the million dollar house that you needed to actually have the money to do that. Mm -hmm. And without being versed and understanding, like I had plenty of money to be able to buy a house. And I gave up years of being able to actually capitalize on that because I didn't have someone to turn to and get that insight right. from and find out that living in the land of expensive LA is right. still doable for people. Right. Exactly. So shout out to Ian. Cause like, he's just amazing. Can we just address it? Yes. <laughs> he's amazing. Right. And a lot of times people just don't know their options. So we really do feel like our job is to give you all the options and not sell you in either one of them, but just do a good job of educating and let you decide what you want to do. Um, and we're kind of like agnostic. Are you, do you love debt? Do you hate debt? Are you a Dave Ramsey? Like we're super agnostic It all choose. Like, what do you want? Um, and what, what can we do to further that as fast as we can? And so our yeah. kind of motto is without, you know, without a proper vision or a clear vision, it's never bad to pay off debt. Um, 
But if you do have a specific vision and a dream, maybe it does make sense to like go after that a little faster than paying off your $300,000 student loan bill, you know? So it's kind of a different way we kind of look at things. So, well, I mean, I grew up very old school. I had parents who also didn't think I could afford a house. Right. And at the same time, you know, they never owed money. Like I grew up where you pay your credit card at the end of the month, you keep money in the bank account, you put money in retirement and that's what's important. You don't leverage yourself. You don't extend yourself. You know, you don't go into debt. Debt is a bad, bad, bad Four letter word. There's a lot of people like that out there, like me, who grew up that way and have really had to have a mindset change because with my business, even, you know, I always starting off as a business, I was lucky. I was able to found it, fund it and run it myself without ever taking investments in. Right. But 14 years ago, where could I be today if I had actually thought about going into debt right. and you know, leveraging things. So people need help and insights. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think to piggyback on what we were talking about earlier and what you're saying there, uh, the role I think we play a lot of times is like cheerleader, you know, cause you'll talk to your family about things business-wise or risk-wise. And if they're wired that way, it can be a really dead end, you know? And like you said, you're not going to go to talk about some of these things with your friends. And so it's like, who do you talk about this stuff with. Um, and so I think that's a big role that we play is we get to share in your dream and cheer you on and say, yeah, I think that, why wouldn't you do that? You know, mm. you inherently people know the right answer. It's just kind of scary to do it when the people mm-hmm. around you aren't like cheering you on. They're casting more doubt right. to you saying, no, don't do that. That's right. scary. Right. And for them, it might be the right answer. Don't do that because they don't have the mindset for it. But maybe you do. And maybe you have the appetite towards doing that. Um, So yeah, that never really deters us other than, you know, like I think a big thing is where's your spouse in this? Like, are they on board or off board? And if they're off board, like that's an immediate like, okay, we need to circle the bandwagon. (laughs) Like we shouldn't move forward unless everybody is on board this is what I always say. If my wife's with me, the whole world can be against me and I can conquer the world. But if my wife's against me and the whole world's with me, my world is upside down. And so making sure that your spouse is supportive of what that looks like and even put parameters on it. Like maybe they have a threshold. Hey, maybe we pay off this debt first, then I'd be okay with you doing this. Or, okay, I'm ready to invest this amount of money, but if it ever gets further, then I really want to, you know, and so just to have those like tap out points um, established before we move forward is really freeing. Yeah. I mean, with my husband and I, with Ian and I, we had to, you know, I like having more savings. I like having that. That's something that's important to me. So we know that we have to have a certain threshold in the bank just for me to see, feel safe. Yep. And that's important in relationships to be able to know. Yep. And you don't want an advisor saying like, well, that needs to be lower. Like, no, like it could be millions of dollars. That's my zero. That's kind of what we call it. Like if it ever gets under that, I'm going to freak out. Like as advisors, we need to take heed to that. Like, listen to that and do a plan accordingly. Um, So. So you two. Great job. Oh, sorry. I just think this is an important point because a lot of times our, you know, couples that we work with, the spouses have different risk tolerances. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's by design. Uh, you know, if you have both people that want to put the foot on the gas, it could be a pretty crazy ride. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that is a big part of it and listening to both spouses where they not only feel heard, but it's part of the plan, you know, to, mm-hmm. to manage towards that. I think it's really important. And then invariably it gives the one who wants to take more risk, you know, the latitude to move forward. Cause typically it's like a, you know, 
pushing pulling <laughs> type thing and okay. uh so anyway so it's fun to work through that with people so when you're working through with people, you come up with lots of different ways that they can plan their future. What are some of the more innovative options that you bring to the table that are not your traditional Roth IRAs? Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Brian, you got this big dog. Well, I think <laughs> the thing that we tried to highlight in the book and podcast, not to like shameless plug, but is really just the seven sources of residual income of really trying to dial down at the, at the core, the, everything pretty much falls underneath one of those seven. We don't tell people you need to do all seven by any means, but invariably the people that we meet with, they see a point across a bridge that they want to get to. It's pretty clear to them. They see it, they can touch it, they can taste it. They just can't get over there for whatever reason, something's blocking them. And so we just try to help them unlock that path of, you know, what's stopping you from getting over there. Most of the time, it's like, I want to do something off the beaten path. You know, it's, it's outside of like stocks and bonds, because you can do that, you know, so easily now. It's, I want to start a business, or I want to do real estate. I want to, I want some sort of, you know, the buzzword is passive income or residual income. We're kind of framing it more as like passion income. How do I monetize what I'm good at and what I like to do? Well, they don't teach you that in school. And so that's, that's what I'd say is what we deal with the most is how do we organize your capital to support you, you know, jumping, you know, so to speak, and taking that leap of faith uh, so that you see your parachute open or your wings open, you know, spread open. I love that talk uh, by, um, I can't remember, I think it's not, yeah, Steve Harvey, where he talks about he's kind of between taping the shows of like, you got to jump. Um, it's one of my favorite videos on YouTube, but a lot of times people have that thing and we're just helping them like as their co-pilot flush that out. And then how do you do it? How do you take the next steps? And of the seven, so there's seven things. What are the seven things? Sure. So the first one is banking. You need to have a banking system. I think that's more important now than ever. You know, before you used to be able to just leave your money in the bank and make five to 6% when we're in these 0% interest rates you're not getting any return on your savings or banking system. And so we show people how to set up their, we call it uncommon banking, uh, where you can leverage, you know, life insurance, overfund it, uh, get the advantages of the tax protection, the guarantees, all that different type of stuff. But then we show people, especially business owners, how to actually leverage against it and create a cash flow system that produces, you know, uh, non-taxable income for you into the future. Number two is real estate. You know, that could be commercial, could be Airbnb, could be traditional rentals. You know, there's so many different facets to real estate. Number three is investments, typically, you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, kind of the traditional world, so to speak, which we do a lot of. We're fully licensed in that capacity. Um, and then the fourth one is business. So kind of like what you and Ian are doing with Hollywood Branded, uh, more traditional brick and mortar type businesses. Uh, number five is what we kind of call subscription model and affiliates, kind of a subcategory of business, so to speak. Um, so looking at kind of the affiliate world, subscription model world. Um, number six is royalties or intellectual property. So, you know, you're in Hollywood, obviously, you know, movies and music and uh, lots of different things from there, too. Um, and so anyways, just protecting how to leverage that intellectual property uh, books, so to speak. And then the last one is um, controversial with Philip and I, but it's uh, network marketing, which is under a pretty big attack from the federal government. 
uh, as a business model. So it may be the six horses very soon. But <laughs> All the, the multi-level tiered out there is not happening anymore. It's going, it's coming down. Yeah, there's a lot of scrutiny on it. Um, and, you know, I think there's been a lot of companies that have done it well, and there's been a lot that haven't. And so right. it's, um, it's under a lot of fire um, with the federal government. So, right. And of those six or seven, depending on the networking, what do you think is the most fundamental of that? Mm. I mean, if you had to start with one, where do you mm. start? Is it just banking that you start at since you listed as one or? Um, I think that's a great, I mean, we all have to bank, right? Money in, money out until we graduate, as we call it, or pass away. But um, I, I think the tip of the spear for us with a lot of the clients we work with is the business. You know, the business is what allows you to build wealth. You know, the average business owner should be building wealth almost five different ways at the same time. And that's the business, you know, your home kind of, as you already talked about, you can build equity in your home, especially on the coasts, you know, the power and leverage of real estate out there is, is, can be really big if you, you know, hit the trends the right way. And then banking is the third uh, and then typically commercial real estate, you know, investing in the footprint that your business needs to grow and thrive and be successful at. And I think uh, that movie, The Founder on Ray Kroc at McDonald's was a great um, highlight of the power of real estate. And that's actually what allowed him to kind of get away from the McDonald's brothers and have the success that he did. And then five, typically kind of the more traditional route is the retirement plan and getting your employees like an employee benefit, getting them saving for retirement but then also allowing you to put away, you know, an, a large sum of money from the profits of your business. So those five, you know, we call it five-star wealth is the five main ways a business owner can build wealth at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I think to us, the business is the tip of the spear. And I mean, I sound like this broken horse right now because I'm going to bring up banking again, but here's a question for you. There are so many new financial institutions and banks that are out there. It's no longer mm. Citibank, Wells Fargo, Chase. Now you have all of these digital platforms. You have, mm. you know, a lot of different um, financial platforms that aren't truly banks, but they're entities of banks and they're setting it up for that. Are those as good to go into versus your traditional? Do they offer better benefits now? Since I think a lot mm. of them look at interest rates and ways that they can leverage lifestyle. Right. What is, what's happening in the world of banking? The world of banking, I don't want to get uh, off on a rabbit hole here because <laughs> he, he will, I, he I will pretty quick. Lost, but, um, <laughs> we'll keep the, it short. No yeah. The 30,000 foot view, and this may sound crazy, but the whole world of banking to me is up in the air right now. COVID really, uh, I think pulled the veil off for a lot of people of, of how our banking system works. Cause if you really think about it, you really don't understand it and no one really teaches you about it either. But the fact that they were able to print like $6 trillion in one year was kind of like, wait, what you can just come up with all this money. And, and, you know, now not to get political, but I mean, Joe Biden's advocating for a $6 trillion budget this year. So it's, I mean, that's a, just a ton of money. Um, and so Currency changes every 40 to 50 years. If you go back to the founding of our country, you know, it was gold and silver, then silver kind of got pulled out. Um, some of the laws changed in the 1800s, then we had taxation in 1913. We had the Federal Reserve System installed in 1913, where the government gave up the right to, you know, mint coins and currency. And now the Federal Reserve System has been running for about 108 years. And the value of our dollar in that 108 years has gone down 99%. So the, you know, the dollar 
you know, used to be $20 to an ounce of gold. Now an ounce of gold is about $1,750. So that's where I'm getting the 99%. So when you look too, is the Fed is suppressing interest rates, meaning they're buying the treasuries and forcing interest rates down. That's why real estate is doing so well. The banks are in a really precarious position because the Fed is kind of stepping into their markets. We're seeing that a lot. We're in the Midwest. And so the, the federal lending is going direct to the farmers. So the far farmers aren't necessarily going to their local bank to get these loans. They're going to federal lending sources. And so we're shifting, you know, and we have the adoption now of crypto and Bitcoin and Ethereum and all these coins and crypto banks. And it's really, it's really cool what you're able to do with some of that stuff and the blockchain technology. And so I think you're seeing that, you know, just what I think the internet did to the media companies and to information in the nineties and early two thousands, I think that's where we're at in banking with, with crypto. So should be interesting to watch. I'll stop there. Well, with that, that word of crypto as that term that you just brought up, um, I will say I never expected that I'd be talking to my financial advisors and having them say, oh, yeah, you should totally invest in crypto. Oh, how can you leverage that? Because we have a lot of crypto clients and platforms right. that we work with. And so that was a really novel approach. And so that's why I know you're not your traditional like right. parents, financial planners, because I right. can't even imagine um, them going down that path and saying that. Right. Right. And you have to do it with a risk tolerance, right? Like it seems to be pretty up and down right now. And so to make sure that you can handle, there's maybe a small portion, but something probably should be in there. And you might not have to not need to understand everything, but you need to have advisors that do and know like maybe a portion, maybe 5% of a portfolio might be allocated to our cryptocurrency. And Honestly, I've been the guy who's like, I don't know, man, like, I don't know. <laughs> and so Brian kind of did the analysis and said, listen, 5% or 3% of our clients' portfolios, let's say it goes poof, gone. <laughs> oh boy, that's gone down three or 5%, whatever that allocation is. But if it goes up, it can actually help a lot. And so the benefits are outweighing the risk. And he kind of won me over and I was like, okay. And it's been the right move just to understand it. And our clients have benefited from it because they don't need to know the ins and outs of it. It's just like, hey, let me know. <laughs> and so that's been helpful. And just understanding it the way Brian does has really benefited people just to talk through it. Hey, I got a couple questions. What about this? Or what about that? And Brian can answer it. I sure can't. <laughs> so. so we touched on this a moment ago. You guys wrote a book. You have a podcast. Oh boy! What is this book that you wrote? So that yeah. all of our listeners can go out and run onto Amazon and purchase that sucker. Right. So yeah, at the end of the day, we understand that Brian and Philip cannot go conquer the world with uncommon wealth. But we do think that the philosophy has, it's bigger than us. And so how are we going to get this message out to people? And we decided writing a book would probably be a pretty good start. Um, and, and so the book is basically, do you, do you align with the philosophy? The philosophy is this, this is why we've come to this philosophy. And then we kind of break it up into four phases, as we call it. The first phase is, do you align with it? And if you do, what is your, basically like, what is your number that you want to, like, what's the number that you need to come in every month for you to live comfortably? Um, once you know that number, and a lot of people can't even get to that. Like, I don't ever want to do a budget. I don't know what my number is then it's a pretty good indication you shouldn't come down this uncommon path because it's going to get hard. 
And so that's a very quick barrier to entry for us. Like, do you even know what number you need every month to come in? The second thing is like, what is your capital that you need? Because a lot of times great ideas fail because they just don't have any security. Um, so we call that a capital fund. Um, and then the third phase is what are you passionate about that we can invest in? And let's make a customized plan to try to get you to invest your hard-earned dollars into this thing that you're passionate about to try to replace what you need in phase one, that monthly income. And once you've done that, you've invested in something you're passionate about and it's kicking off enough income to cover your monthly expenses. You go into now time, like phase four, which is time freedom. Now you have the freedom to go do what you want. That being said, you kind of liked what you did and you did it because you loved it. And so you go back into phase three with this attitude of like, I can do it better. Or I actually thought I was going to love it. And I did love this component, but I sure as heaven didn't love this component. What are things that you can do to make your life even easier and maybe invest in other people to do the things that they're good at to help you thrive and, and impact more people? And so it's this constant kind of back and forth until you really are at this point where we're like, I don't need any more money. I'm now kind of at this point where I'm ready to do something different Then our job, like our kind of employer, like at the end, we're just kind of like really trying to get into like, go impact somebody else with this. Like go try to take somebody under your wing and help them down this uncommon path. So that's basically the book. You don't need to buy it now. I basically told you, but throughout well, the whole book, I we read one thing. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Well, the philosophy, I think, and we haven't said this on this podcast, but the subtitle of the book is you are your best asset. And I think, you know, a lot of times our schooling system and college system, it's, you know, option A is to go get a job and work for somebody else. And I think that's great. And, um, but we're, we're trying to champion the people that have ideas and, you know, they've, they've maybe tried the corporate world and it's not working for them. Um, and just trying to give them a baseline to figure this out. You know, and I just saw a statistic that like 38% of small businesses were closed in the last 18 months. Hmm. And when you look in like 1900, 1910, it was like 80 or 90% of the country was self-employed or business owners. Now it's less than 10%. Hmm. And so I think now more than ever, you know, we're at a point in history, you know, with the internet, with the crypto, things are changing rapidly. And there's a time and a place to kind of, you know, go out and stake your claim again and um, start something new and start something that you can control and live life more on your terms. And I think that's shifting. And so we want to be kind of the champion of that and um, cheerleader of that. And that's, I think, kind of at the higher level, you know, what the book is about. Well, that's right. your gig economy. And that even goes back to the days of the gold rush. Like yeah. everyone's always been looking for how you can go out, stake your claim and make your fortunes. So that hasn't changed too much over these years. Right. Yeah. And you've seen a lot in this COVID where people would like, look at us like, well, I have the most secure job working at this big company. <laughs> and then what they came out of it, realizing like, wait a second, I'm just a number that they can can me pretty quick. Like maybe it is, maybe I am my best asset here. <laughs> and maybe if I control my own ship. And so throughout the book, we give everyone like a tool and it's a one page document because we don't feel like it should be hard. Uh, but that you can kind of put your goals and your dreams, your assets, your liabilities. Um, and it can just be on one piece of paper. And so you can see it like, Hey, here's my one, three and five year goals. Here's what my net worth needs to be when I have, you know, I've hit this point where I've had enough money so I can maybe what we call retire, have time freedom. Um, and so it's just enough money. Document. Like it's not just endless. You don't it's, just like keep on working. No, just right, keep on right. like piling in, piling it in and piling yeah. it in. And you never stop and you just keep going. It's, That's not it. It's a fool's errand. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to burn out. 
So what is the end point? What's the end of like the light at the end of the tunnel uh, for people? And then we just help them like, just work through that. And like that people can do that for free right now on our website. Um, and so we wanted to try to give one people, some examples and stories of people who are actually doing this. And we've seen people fail. And what they've found is that they were more excited after they failed and they learned more and they were even more successful at the end because they understood, they learned something while they were, Hey, this didn't go as according to plan. So this is what we did and changed it. Like you're very nimble when you're investing in yourself and you can change things quickly. Uh, when the market goes south on you, like, what'd you learn? Like, well, nothing. <laughs> so, so this is something that like people really are starting to catch a lot of fire and it's getting a lot of momentum that we're excited to lead. So what is that? We have the subtitle. What's the name of the book? Yeah. It's Uncommon Wealth. You are your best asset. Okay. Ta-da. So, there you go. And if you want to find that, I'm assuming it's on Amazon or no. Oh yeah. Totally on Amazon. Everything's on Amazon, right? Yeah. You Everything. can Kindle. Go to our, yep. Yeah. All of that. We haven't done an audio book, which Brian's like super excited about doing. I want to try like, it, but we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, um, you should totally try it. And you have to do it. You all will be great with it. And you won't be the voice that talks like this. <laughs> yeah. So you can go to our website, www.uncommonwealth.com. And then also we have a podcast. It's called the Uncommon Life Project. And what we try to do is highlight people who are doing what they love to do. And I love telling the story about this 74-year-old artist. She's a watercolor. She's amazing. And I ask her like, Nadine, how did you, how do you get paid to draw? She's like, oh, Philip, like, I don't, I don't get, I just love what I do. And people keep paying me. <laughs> And so it's this mindset that like, I'm just going to keep doing what I love to do and keep paid. So we try to do this podcast to highlight people who are in their like sweet spot and every day they get to wake up and do what they love to do and they never want to stop and they keep getting paid for it. So that's our podcast. We try to give tips as well to do that. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of the And the you show. have uh, graced our microphone as well. So thank you I for have. being on our podcast. So I have. Awesome yeah. episode. Well, it's easy when like, you know, to me, work has never been work. Like it's not, and, but that's most tasks in my life. I haven't cleaned my garage as work, but like most of the things I've gone out to do, like I get charged by it. And so I'm lucky in that way that I get charged by it and I find ways to make money from it. Um, and I'm pretty sure that if you just kind of go that way and you head in that direction, just have faith, it all works out at the end. And I just, you have to remember that when you have the big bad voice in your head saying you are screwed that you're not yeah and it's i mean you would attest it's hard like it is hard the uncommon path is not easy and don't want to come across like it's uh, sunshine and rainbows because it's hard but i think most of the people would attest they wouldn't change it either and um, you know what it does for their mindset and their character you know it strengthens them and so um yeah we're just having a blast with it and we you know we've had a a tremendous last two to three years, even amidst all the challenges, just because we get to share, you know, so many people journey and their hard work and their faith and, you know, perseverance. And it's just been a, uh, you know, a strong uh, encouragement to us, you know, to stay the course. So. Are there any mistakes that you typically see your clients making? Mm. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say our clients, because we give, we tell them, we're pretty frank. If we tell them, you know, we think they shouldn't do that. Uh, I'm, you know, we're not perfect either, but, um, I think for me, the big one is just diversifying too quickly. You know, I was just listening to a podcast the other day from, you know, pretty successful business owners and they were saying the same thing. And 
Um, but you know, when people are making good money one way and then they want to like totally pivot and do something that they've never done before and think it's going to go the exact same way. There are a few people in the world that have been able to do that, but I think you don't hear the thousands and thousands that fail that didn't. Yeah. Um, and so well, I they didn't get the experience, the failure along the way that they needed to do. Yeah. 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 They found it pretty quick. So, <laughs> Uh, you know, if we were to write a second book, which I'd like to write, uh, I think, you know, our books could be like a three-part series. The, the title of the second book that I want to write is Don't Diversify, Double Down. And not to say you shouldn't diversify at all, but it's more for that, you know, once you find that thing that you're truly into, you're truly passionate about, and it gets mm -hmm. that charge like you're talking about, you know, how do you double down on that? And how do you mm -hmm. stay in your lane and just, and, and I think the other wisdom principle being from the midwest is just harvesting you know like we see these farmers plant I mean, these massive fields of crops and you have tons of crops in california too and it's just so there's something to be said for harvesting you know and doing the hard work and then actually getting a harvest and so i think those would be my two um you know wisdom principles so to speak um mm -hmm. you know don't pivot too soon or don't think you're the jack of all trades so what about you philip anything to add to that yeah i would say have your spouse be your barometer <laughs> if your spouse is like, don't do it, like you need to really either communicate more effectively or change the course because they're seeing something in you that like, this isn't good. Um, and that to us is just like, let's don't go against that. You know, it's going to be a rough road. So I would say that. And I think too, just investing, like to Brian's point, investing in things you don't really know about, it really does take your mind off of what you are good at. And so to keep yourself focused and maybe even having something that's like an offshoot of what you do um, is fine, but something that's totally different might not be the best decision um, that we've seen. So. Perfect. So for our listeners, again, they can find you guys at uncommonwealth.com and they'll be in the show notes. They can go and find everything they want to know about your book as well there as well as yep. on amazon they can also right. explore your podcast because you guys are super personable and i know the podcast from being on it is great what else do we want to let people know how they can get in contact with you yeah i i can't think of anything else but this is what i'll say like i hope this is encouraging to those people out there like let this be something that like is banging in your ears. Like let the, don't let the Jumanji drum beat die inside of you. Like whatever you have to unlock, it's important. And the world needs your uncommon as we say. And so like, whether you call us or not, whether you call Stacy, I just do it like you, or if you're already done it, keep going and impact others because there's a lot of people that are watching you from afar or maybe just your, your own family. And like, they want you to succeed and they need you to succeed. Um, so I think that's my only like last, like hurrah of, man, we need you to stay the course. And, and if you need encouragement, reach out to a friend, to us, to Stacey, whoever, and let us encourage you because what you're doing is important. Brian, any other notes of advice to throw in there? No, I, I just echo that. I think now, you know, it's like, when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, 10 years ago and then today, you know? Uh, so I think it's just a matter of, like I said, post COVID right now, I think there's never been a better time to try that thing, uh, that burning desire and, you know, fan the flame, so to speak. And we'd love to help in any way that we can. Well, no one, and it's something I, 
I hear on a daily basis, actually from our team of lots of 20 something year olds who are fairly fresh out of college or a few years in, um, they weren't taught this. They keep on saying, no one taught me this. No one taught me that. No one. Ta- mm-hmm. Money is one of those things that no one taught any of us. We're just supposed to succeed. Mm-hmm. And pick yourself up by the seat of your pants and succeed. But we don't mm-hmm. have a map. And it's nice having advisors that you can lean into and find out that you're not alone or that you're not mm-hmm. nutso and kooky for thinking one thing versus the other or you're not taking a big risk versus, you know, your parents saying that you are. Um, So it is good. And I do wish that I had, you know, found you guys or someone else that, you know, fit that mold, you know, decades ago, not when I was in my forties. So thank you guys for that, first of all. Um, And then for all of our listeners, I mean, find someone, find that go-to to to get advice. It really will help you. Yeah, for sure. So good. Well, Brian, Philip, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your wisdom with us today. Truly do appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank Thanks for having us on. Of course. It's fun. Told you it'd be fun. Always. Easy. Yeah. It sure was. <laughs> so for all of our listeners, thank you for tuning into Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, have a great day. Bye, y'all. Bye.